Welcome to the Perceptions Today podcast, where we discuss consciousness in all forms. September 2022, episode 34, Stephanie Quick joins us in a roundtable about synchronicity, part three of four. Stephanie Quick is a researcher who has a passion for synchronicities, erotic mysticism, and much more. Participants knew it was being recorded. Oh, but this is where all the fun is. Oh, definitely. Gabe, how's it going? Good, good. I was just hoping that uh, I don't uh, drop out. It's okay. I won't take it personally. I know that some places that you call in from are very dodgy with signal. Yes, I'm actually at one of them right now. I'm at work. Okay, just make sure that you're hiding in the corner while you're talking to us. Yeah, I have to. I have to stay in one spot. I can't move. <laughs> okay, <laughs> that's that's another good visual image that I'm having at this present time because I know that uh, you're probably standing in the printer room with on one foot and reaching for the window to get the best signal. <laughs> No, actually, I'm I'm in a room without any windows, so that's that's even worse. Ah, semi-Faraday cages, right? All fun yeah. and games. But you obviously have quite a lot of synchronicities that come through in your actual dream logs. Oh yeah, um, I'm not going to get into any, but yeah, they do uh, come up. They come up, and I get a lot of uh, validate. Just makes it just makes it all more fun. Oh, definitely. And uh, has anybody else? Oh, Brad, how are you doing? Good to see you. Going to send you an invite. I don't think I've actually had the opportunity to speak to Elric. He's always been having, obviously, the times when he can't actually talk. Azur, I'm going to send you an invite. I'm not sure if you can pick up or not. And Global, nice to see you back from yesterday. Mycelium, and here we go. Ah, you're, you can't talk. Okay, Azure, fine. I will remove that invitation from yourself. But no, the conversation from Stephanie, and if you go and read through her actual Ghost Dog is a Mystery Box, is a fantastic kind of eye-opener. And again, there are many podcasts which she's appeared on, and especially the Empath one with Project Archivist, and also, I've got to get this right, it's either the Green Dragon or the Green Lion with Taylor Bell. Hang on one second while I type in my search engine to make sure I get the right one. Of uh, You might not realize you are an actual empath, you know, when people start coming and giving you lots of information which you didn't really ask for. And I know a lot of people. So it is the Green Lion podcast. And again, you've also got the other direction where you might be standing in a group of people and suddenly find your emotions are running wild and they're not under your own control. It's because you're absorbing other people's emotions as if they're basically being attracted into you, but you're triggered by either their joy, their anger, or even if you walked into a shopping center and it was full of people or a concert hall, you start becoming jittery because you can't take the people around you. And it's interesting when you start listening to other people discuss their ways that they have their empathic abilities or haven't realized until they've talked to others and been around others. And again, you can also kind of push as Rajan talks, sometimes between dreams being that empath wise, even if the distance doesn't really matter either. Global, you've been able to pick up the microphone. How are you doing down there in Australia? <laughs> Well, thanks. Sorry, I didn't sleep very well last night, so I was late to the podcast. But, um, uh, yeah, I I feel that I do have that that mini superpower that uh, I can um, hear meetings that people have had 
or or I can pick up their emotions post a meeting or if they're long distance I can uh, I, I, I can feel uh, what some people are feeling or thinking sometimes uh, and I've only just sort of acknowledged that in the last couple of years that I can do that I just I think I have taken a lot of coincidences and um, abilities for granted that everyone has that or but now I realize when I speak to people they get quite um, disturbed that that I know what they've talked about with someone else or <laughs> so it's interesting I thought most people had that oh we've had similar kind of conversations with people when we were talking that if you close your eyes and gently push on the side of your eyes that you produce light so if you're in a dark room and you did this um one particular part of the community she didn't actually think it worked on her and she couldn't produce those light kind of sparks in her eye by gently pressing where everybody else was saying no actually we do we've seen this before in other ways so it's fascinating when you think or come across other people who you think everyone else has got your kind of ways of interpreting emotions and facts and then realize they haven't got that so an interesting example yeah sorry I was just going to say, an interesting example is that my mother and myself, we used to pick up on each other's pain and other kind of things. So if there was an accident, we would feel the right location for that injury or what happened. And sometimes we didn't know whether it was our own or the other ones, but then suddenly we realized that it was... um, we learned to realize who was having what. So, for example, when I actually broke several bones, she actually knew about it at the time of me actually doing it. And um, one time when she was having an operation, I didn't know the actual time of she was having the operation, but I went extremely gray and white at work, and it had to be exactly the time that things were going on with her. So it's interesting how that connection point works with people. It is, isn't it? It, it, it is amazing. Uh, I... I sometimes come across people who can do what I do and we look at each other like, oh, there's a recognition and um, and actually a comfort because, um, I don't know, you, you, you have these things that you can do and you think, well, what is the purpose of this? What 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 use can I make of it? What, what direction, what, um, what value can I add to this, having this knowledge? Well, I think there's a lot of us in here that suddenly realise you make a lot of mistakes before you actually realise what you can do with it properly. And um, again, when you're in positions with friends who can't express their emotions and you're the one that picks up on them, you can actually either diffuse the situation or help explain situations to the others which don't understand. Those are some of the simple things that I've learned over a period of time with this kind of events. But the first time you kind of feel out of your water. No, out of your depth is the best one, not out of the water. I'm making up my own expressions as I go along. This is always good. No, very true. Um, uh, Coupled with this ability to sort of um, pick up on people's emotions or or know what has been said, I am quite upfront and actually brutally blunt, which is not always a, a great trait to have. So um, while I want to step in and say something to someone to 
help them. I, I always edit myself now because <clears throat> it may not be what they need to hear at that time. Oh, I've done that. <laughs> to have those two to to um, be so uh, blunt, and um, I think those two things are not very. Those two attributes are not great to have together. Not all the time. Again, with some people who might even hide their own emotional content when you tell things bluntly, it goes down so badly, but they put on a great, oh. uh, a good face in front of you. And then you suddenly realize that you made a complete mistake and it's held against you for years. Done that before. That's true. That's so true. And that's why I do edit myself now heavily. Mm. <clears throat> And uh, as long as you don't keep going around to telling small children there's no um, Tooth Fairy or Santa Claus when they're only about four or five. Sure. <laughs> yeah, don't so be that I, blunt. I to the experts anyway. Um, I, I, I find ethnicity, I don't think I've looked around for it very much I, or I take it for granted. So um, I suppose it, you've made me more aware of it and to look around a little bit more for it. Oh, it'd be interesting to see what happens after these conversations when people come back and see if anything does happen. I mean, Shadow Fox has got some information and she's very aware of if you haven't been looking at things for the first time, but when you do start giving attention to it, it will manifest in a manner and you'll suddenly uh, realize things. So, yeah. Shadow Fox? Yeah, I mean, you guys are really bringing up some fantastic points, but I really must say this because... Paul, you just rained on my parade. You just told me there was no Easter Bunny. And for the majority of this... Didn't mention the Easter Bunny. (laughs) You know, because we've been talking about the white rabbit, you know, the synchronicities here. And so, um, yeah... But there's definitely there's definitely great patience in editing oneself. <laughs> I was taught a very good rule, which was take five seconds before you say anything. <laughs> and listen Mine to yourself first. How did, you, oh, ten. how did you luck out with five? I had to count to ten. Uh, it depends on how many times you put your foot in your mouth before time. I think that's probably for me. That's how I learned to get it down to five. <laughs> So it's nice to see Sarah because I haven't been able to speak to her for a while. And obviously Trent is from continuing the conversation. And I'm not sure if he can pick up the invitation to talk or not. If not, give me the peace symbol, Trent. Hopefully you're not. Okay, right. You're not driving or operating heavy machinery at this time. That's good. And uh, right. Oh, it's okay. Hey, Paul, this is Gabe. I I wanted to jump in about the the white rabbit. Um, Continue. I, I I wasn't in uh, on those conversations about the white rabbit, and I just looked it up. And yeah, I, I was going to bring up anything about the dreams, but I did happen to have a white cat show up in several dreams. So it's like, I guess that was my white rabbit. And uh, when you guys started talking about it, it kind of like perked up my uh, my antenna. So excellent. I was kind of interested you... on that. I'm going to do some more reading. Yes. Did you pick up in the Twitter account? tweets back in early March about March hairs that we were discussing with Cosmic Librarian and the Tarot Card and other bits? No, I'm going to have to go back and uh, check those out. Uh, So the synopsis of that was we found out through mythology of the Celts that the hair diving down into 
well, I have to say rabbit holes, but hair holes. Uh, sounds wrong. And would be the translation of going from one realm to another realm. And the hair was related to being a shapeshifter. And this sort of then falls into your realms of the White Rabbit from Alice in Wonderland and other bits which connected. And as Myron was saying, C.S. Lewis was basically on the cards of possibly being um, suffering from epilepsy. We didn't know which type, but that's why he might have been incorporating some of these imagery and storylines. And it's fascinating when you start seeing, obviously, the March Hare being... And again, the Romans put in a law when they invaded because the Celts in the UK and Ireland and obviously um, around held it in such a high regard, it was against the law to actually kill them. So this was the fascination about it all. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah, definitely going to have to do some more reading. And of course, then you get Harvey, then you go into the Matrix with the connections to the White Rabbit and following down the, the Deep Hole and all other film references and book references, of course, and paintings. You know, it's funny, I thought when I saw Harvey the first time and he's explaining how Harvey got his. And so he meets this White Rabbit and he says, um, he says, what's your name? And Harvey Harvey says to him, well, what do, you, what do you think my name is? And he said, I think your name is Harvey. And Harvey, and he says, oh, well, that is my name. And that was the kind of relationship that I had with Charon about Charon's. I mean, Charon isn't called Charon. I mean, that's, I made that name up when I was younger. And, and uh, but it, it, when I saw the film, I went, wow, that, that's exactly what happened with me and Charon is that all of a sudden I started calling him Charon or it calling Caron, uh, just like he said, Harvey said, yeah, well, am- amazing, that's my name, which probably wasn't your name, but that's okay. If you want to be called Harvey, well, I'll take Harvey. I mean, Harvey's all right. Yeah, you've twitched my brain. There's another couple of either books or films that I've seen where the main character comes across a sentient talking person and is asked the same question and then provides a name and the other one takes it. I don't know if it's in mythology and other bits and pieces, but I have to see if I can drag it out of my brain because it's really kind of hit home on that. Mm. It's common when they they just agree because they don't care. I mean, you know, it doesn't matter what you call them. That's not the point. So it's it's that's why when when I saw that in the film, I must have been pretty young when that film came out. I'm really not really sure when that film came out, but um, but when that when that happened, I was just kind of going, "Whoa, wait a minute!" There, that's exactly what happened with Carol. <laughs> well, that was 1950, Harvey. Well, then I would I would. I would have been seven years old, so it, it, but I didn't see it in 1950. I think I saw it on TV years later, but uh, because we didn't even have a television in 1950, we, we were listening to the radio. I mean, there was no television in 1950, so I mean, that we didn't, there were three channels in 1952, 53, something like that, one local here, and then two national. That's not I- has changed just in my lifetime definitely i didn't realize it was based on a play by mary chase in 1944 oh yeah 
Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I did a lot of research on it as soon as I saw the film because of the White Rabbit thing. And and, and then, I, then I looked up her story. And she's a pretty fascinating character. And there's another there's a movie called The Haunting that's written by another lady that is a masterpiece ghost story. I mean, it, it's a Robert Wise film. Oh, yeah. I saw the remake. Don't spoil it for anyone. <laughs> it well, was really remake, good. The remake terrible. Just terrible. I know, but the plot line and how it goes on is fantastic. But, you know, in the original, he used a 1920s camera that would keep in focus what was at distance and right close up. And no, no normal camera would do that back in 1960. So Robert Wise found another kind of camera where he could do this this wide range screen and keep both images in focus at the same time. He was the only one who ever did it. So it was really kind of cool. Now, of course, it doesn't matter. It's all digital. But not back not back in 1960, it wasn't. And I think it was an English film anyway, because it was shot in England. Um, all of, Even though it was supposed to be in Boston, well, it was not. Yeah, I'm trying to remember the kind of country house name, yeah, but I can't remember it. Well, they, they even talked about it. I have a, a extended version of, of the... Uh, of the explanation and it, they shot the whole thing and uh and uh, the house that they rented and all that kind of stuff and um even though a lot of it's on this on the on the sound sound stage the same place they shot uh space odyssey uh, space odyssey years later and they they and they shot uh, uh the shining on that same sound stage yeah that's that, a film and a half yeah yeah because that hotel is 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 uh, a set that's not a that's not a hotel that's a soundstage. Yeah. It's amazing he could, he could reproduce that. He was um, a master of um, putting in imagery yeah. and getting exactly how he wanted and doing making people take many, many takes. Uh, yeah, that little boy, just the little boy and, and, and Stratman cover, cover or whatever his name is, um, they had 40 takes of him eating that ice cream. That <laughs> station. A little boy, forty takes. He must have gone. Must have been going out of his mind. Just when you think how small a stomach is and how much <laughs> ice cream you can only fit into a small child. Yeah, that's <laughs> true. I don't know if they were eating ice cream the whole time, but they, at least they were pretending. To. Yeah, I was. I was watching a podcast on uh, Space Odyssey last night, and they were talking about how how it looks today, like it was digital. It still looks digital, and none of it's digital. And that's what's amazing about the film. It's all real real sets, you know, real things. I mean, it's just amazing what he could do. He was really quite an amazing genius. Definitely on the visuals. I just want to try and get, if we can, I'm trying to read, I think it says Rina, and obviously the secretary of Japanese company. If uh, you fancy taking one of the requests or the invites I've just sent, that'd be great. And uh, we'll probably go for another 10 or 15 minutes if you want on synchronicities or anything else or discussing some of the upcoming events that are forthcoming. Or has anyone checked out any of the podcasts recently? We can talk about anything. about Anthony's. When you say it's, it's on two times, is it the same thing twice or is it two different things? Ah, remember, remember well, you said one's in the morning and one's in the in the in the later day. Yeah, so for it's the same kind of event, 
But for the people who are asleep in America, they won't be coming to the first one. You can kind of... What time does that one start? It must be 6 a.m. or 5 a.m. Okay, so it's going to be 9 a.m. my time. And if you're eight hours back, that's 1 a.m. for you. But for Shadow Fox, who's New York State, that's only five hours back. So you're more likely to be hitting the three o'clock UK time one. So that's only seven hours back the other direction. Right, right, right. No, eight hours back the other direction because we've we're changing to the twenty seventh of March and we have go forwards the clocks. So just making sure we get all in the right order. But but the subjects the subject will be the same, right? The subject will be anything of his research or any other sharing experiences or anything that anybody wants to bring to the table. Oh, okay. Right. So the main thing is obviously the consciousness and just ideas of anything that comes through podcast anything we've seen anything we've really kind of discussed it's going to be really open none of them have ever been the same twice even though we've done five times the same day but split over two sessions in a day yeah, if that I'm, makes sense no, yeah it does because he and i have done two or three you know and they're different so i i, I get it i get it yeah because we have such a nice forum of people that come up from different parts of the world and all come from different experiences, they will definitely bring up new areas that we will be discussing. It, it just is fascinating. You know, it's, it's really, again, here, here we are with this technology. You realize how impossible it would be 50, 40 years ago. I mean, if you did this over your phone, it would be four or $500. Oh, just definitely. And the fact if we wanted to actually hire out an auditorium to have this kind of conversation you would have to either go and see the person standing on stage talk for two hours then they might not even be able to hang around and talk to you for say an hour and if there's 300 people wanting to talk to one person in an hour to get things over it's difficult now we've got the capability if people want to give their times whether people with questions or with experiences or anything else we can get together all over the world and we can spend so much time just discussing the same thing and we can always do another bit and it's not that expensive obviously it's your data plan and your uh, time that's the only thing yeah I, like you know when i when i first met oliver stone it was it was a book signing, okay? So there was must have been a thousand people there, and uh, and then he was signing books after the after the lecture, and um, and so I I was telling him about my experiences, and then he got really interested in them, but we didn't obviously we didn't have time to talk about it. Um, so he, you know he set up an appointment for me to go see him and all that kind of stuff, and. Um, However, if that had been a podcast, it would have been easy to do. But there was people in line waiting to get their books signed. And, you know, and, and, he, and he didn't want to sign their books. He wanted to talk to me about my because they kind of coincided with his. And um, uh, it was just kind of weird. And then he said, here, 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 here here's my card. Call me and, and I'll, you know, set up a time. And I said, OK, I'll, I'll do that. So, yeah, I mean, it's it is it is weird, you know, when you're in a theater or something and they have these discussions in, in these groups, you can't do anything. You know, I mean, like like when I was telling you about meeting those parents after I talk, I'm, I, I'd have a stack of them. There must be like 20 or 30 of them standing waiting to talk to me. Well, I only have so much time for, you know, to talk to each one of them. So I have to kind of 
not blow them off, but I have to answer the question pretty quickly and succinctly and then get to the next one and get to the next one and get to the next one and get to the next one. And then I just run out of time, you know, and uh, that's what's so good about because uh, even the Epilepsy Foundation is doing more and more podcasts for that reason, uh, because you just can't do it. You can't answer all those questions. There's not not there's you just can't do that. There's no way. So anyway, it's kind of cool. Oh, definitely. It's been one of the things that I've learned that when we've been going through discussions and taking, saying videos apart and doing deep dives, and because I obviously want to make everything easy for anyone coming in from any level and put it as layman terms, it's always been the way of thinking, how can I throw a concept over in imagery? Hopefully most people take stories in because obviously there are some people that can't imagine things because of medical conditions and some people aren't very good at visualization in their own mind. I try and think of short stories that will give at least a foothold into the topic or the subject that we're doing and do it that way. For example, we did one on um, a neuroscience topic from Stuart Hammeroff and I ended up trying to describe one particular part of the brain and how it functioned. So I looked up the definition and I rewrote it into a small kind of story. Then I found that that subsetted into another medical jargon, which was a larger 12-letter word. That then went into a six-letter word. And then there was another 12-letter word. And it was like nested Russian dolls kind of bit. And I went, I can comprehend this because I've learned it by reading and doing this. But then I've had to try and figure out, okay, we have to really surface it. And even though I have to use these words, I'll do it in a very short burst, but do it slowly because we've got language problems. We've got cultural problems that I could run into while trying to describe and the way people understand my accent compared to others. And it's been a real nice learning curve and all these things. Shadow Fox. How long have you been doing this? For doing these actual Twitter space events, I've only been doing it since the 8th of September. Oh, so this is brand new for you. It's very babyish. It's literally just into six and a half months. Wow. Give or take. And that's gone from the evolution of doing the talks and then learning all the software to generate podcasts, edit, put it together, do all the promotional bits, learning it all myself and making it you know, kind of run smoothly as possible. Well, actually, Anthony has the same problems you do, so, uh, and he's been doing it a long time. I mean, they, they have a lot of time, with Facebook in the, in the morning, they have a lot of problems getting those things going. They always get going, but it takes, it just, it takes time. You know? Oh, I always knew it was going to be a long-run kind of idea, because it's something that is always curious to me, and it's my learning curve and my passion because of the neurology, pain management. All that is just something that I've been trying to learn for myself. And while I've been doing that, it was expressing it to others along the lines. But the four people that kind of pushed me into doing this, and when I say pushed me, it was like, you should do more with the information. Hats off to them because they did it correctly and it worked. And uh, it's beneficial, I find, for learning from others. Why why did you do it? Why did you do it? I mean, it is a lot of work. It it felt right. I mean, I had so much resistance against it in my own head to just get out there and 
talk about it. Right. So I couldn't understand why I had the resistance. I thought nobody would want to listen. And then once I cracked the back of doing what I said to Shadow Fox and a few others that had been in the room before, my first intention was Twitter Space came out early September. I said to myself, I'll be live for an hour, and if anybody turns up for that, it will either work or it won't work, and then I don't even have to bother about the podcast or anything else like that. I'll just continue doing my just putting up good old links onto Twitter Space and all my reading and contacting other people and networking others. And then I started it off, and it went for three and a half hours, and I just thought, oh, my God, lightning in a bottle. And then I thought, that won't work again. So I thought, I'll do it right. I'll go on a Friday night when everybody's going to go out and I'll show how bad this. There'll be nobody to turn up, and people turned up. And it's just gone on from there. It's just bizarre. Well, I, I And you know what? I'm really glad you did do it. Because you know what? You really hold this space in, and you offer people so many different um, things, whether it be content or, you know, what other people are researching and experiencing. And quite honestly, you're the perfect person for it. And so I must say thank you, Paul, for actually going in on a Friday night and diving into it. Thank you. And, uh, yeah, so I got to give you the kudos there because I think you're doing a great job. Well, thank you very much. I mean, I th- out of all the jobs that I've had, I mean, this isn't a job. This is just obviously my passion project. That It's the one that feels so right with all the right connections and doesn't feel wrong. And it's really bizarre. You know, it, was, it was what I was saying before, you know, when things are supposed to, to go into your pantheon of experience, they just seem to happen. You don't, you don't have to really, if you really have to work at it, and work at it. In fact, I was listening to a physicist talking about it, and they were saying, if we have to make the math work by going around things, and if we get it really complicated, but it works, we know we're in the wrong place. It may work, but we've we've gone around the, the, the way it should be. It should be authentic and simple. It should not be this complex. And I think the same thing's true when you start a project. If the project starts to work, then it'll work and it's supposed to work and it'll just it'll just work because the energy is perfect. Like when I first started my art career, I'd never done a show in my life. And then I did one of the biggest shows in California. It got reviewed all over all over the newspapers and my whole career was built overnight. And so obviously that that was supposed to happen. You know, and it, it nothing got in the way of it. it. It's just so funny. I mean, it was it just came out of the blue and all the people that had to had to get in line to make this happen. Because you're talking about the financing and all the rest of it. It's, it's very expensive to put in, put on a show with with uh, 250 pieces in it. And then a book that they did on top of that. They published a book and then Clive Barker wrote the introduction. Anyway, all that stuff. Just happened, 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 and it went very smooth. There was very little uh, conflict or anything. You know, it just it just happened. And uh, and then I've had other projects that that I tried to get done, and I no no matter what I did, I couldn't get those projects off the ground. And then Caron would just say, "Those projects are not for you," and then that would be the end of that. So I I think when they work like that, there's a reason they work like that. Oh, yeah, I would definitely agree. I just got to stop in here real quick because I would like to say goodbye to everyone. Um, And I just didn't care to just, 
I'll split out of the room here, but um, thank you everyone for hanging out, listening and, and speaking and sharing. Um, I thank you and um, I will take my leave. Thank you, Paul. Thanks for turning up again and thanks for Lee for talking and educating me even more. Well, I will speak to you soon. Brad, how are you doing? Yeah, can you hear me? I can hear you, yeah. Yeah, uh, when will Laird Scranton be next time? Laird will be on the 19th of April and for the UK uh, time it will be 7pm. Uh, do you know that there was a podcast uh, with him, with the killer priest, where he was uh, uh, talking with uh, a person who advocated flat earth. Oh, no, I haven't heard that one. If you pass me yeah. a link for that through either direct messaging, that'd be great. Send it to you. And uh, uh, I want to ask Myron whether some symbols uh, uh, were associated with did he go or had obsession with symbols? I didn't hear that. I think he was asking whether Karen's got obsession with symbols, possibly. Did you say that, Brad? Because the audio is a bit in and out at the moment, Brad. Yeah, very bad connection. Uh, yes, yeah. uh, Scranton told that UFO, uh, uh, UFO experiences uh, saw old Egypt symbols. So... Okay, so I got that. So Brad was mentioning that the last time Laird was talking about symbology and also that he saw symbols and wondered if you saw any, or Karen or both of you saw symbology that might have been kind of connected to Egyptian bits. Because I know I think you mentioned when we were talking to Laird last time on the 10th of March, Myron. Oh, there's no question that... that uh, um... I, I've actually done some paintings of of uh, uh, Egyptian figures. You know the way the way that they painted them. You know sideways. You know with their legs in a certain con- configuration. There's not there's not much uh, depth to the figure. And um, I that was even before I even I had gotten involved with Egyptian uh, stuff. But uh, but yeah, I've studied a lot of Egyptian iconography and 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 of course because of orion orion's orion yeah because brad was actually asking did you actually see anything kind of in a vision state with symbology as well in that way probably as a either as a child or as you're growing up before you actually saw that symbols actually like symbol of the cross symbol of the fish symbol of moon no like obsession uh, obsession the hallucinating a symbol no, the, the, what yeah. I see is not this. I don't see any symbols of the of the regular world that have ever existed. What I see is completely different from what the regular world looks like. I don't. There's no reference in my work to uh, any any culture uh, of any kind. Uh, the culture is 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 my my unconscious. So there's no connection between what i do and say greek mythology or egyptian mythology or even though i've studied all those things when the visions come they're unique to themselves 
there I'm not painting like a picture of of the Parthenon and and then adding a character to it. That the I don't even think about the Parthenon. I'm I'm seeing something that's inside my unconscious that has nothing to do with anything on Earth. And in fact, that's the reason I got the shows in the first place is because no one had ever seen anything that looks like my work. And so, so consequently, uh, I, you know, I, I moved above a lot of other people because I wasn't reproducing the world. I was reproducing my inner world rather than the world, even, even if I was painting it as a symbol. Um, I, I didn't, I didn't do that. So no, the answer is no, I, I don't paint symbols. I paint the visions that I actually have. Now there are some paintings that I do that are of people, but those are commissions. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about my vision. My visions are are not I are not symbols. Now you could say that they are symbols to me, but there no there are no symbols like them in the world. You couldn't find you, where you could go anywhere in the world you wanted to and not find those symbols anywhere because that's because that's not I see these visions like people do on DMT. And um, that's why I don't need to take it because my symbols are are my own and they're not they're not part of any culture on Earth. Um, and I think that's the reason that people were interested in my work in the first place is that they don't look like anything they've ever seen before. And um, and that's I, and I always tell kids, you know, that are trying to get into the art world, you know, what do you got to do? And I said, well, first of all, you've got to paint what has ever seen, and tw- and two, you got to know somebody, and three, you got to do the work. I mean, if you think about Frida Kahlo, she paints her pain. Everything is, you know, there's no symbol. There's no, there's no symbols in her paintings except for her own pain. I went to that ex- exhibition and I saw oh, complete eye opener. I read her book first off, then saw the film, and then went to the Tate modern exhibition of that and you you know it's almost like you go through weeping that as well as going through joy at all the different things from her lifestyle because there's nothing no punches were pulled from that it was right in your face yeah that's right i mean you know and that's why i mean i have a i have her whole diary she published her whole diary her personal diary in a book and um um i have a copy of it and um and she talks about her relationship with Diego Rivera and she talks about her art and she talks about her pain and, and all the operations she had. And, and, you know, she didn't live that long and she didn't paint that long. And, uh, but if you look at her imagery, it isn't symbolic in the, sim- in the sense of like Egyptian or Greek or Mesopotamian or, or anything else. It's her pain that she is painting all the time. And, that's why I love her work so much because I totally relate to it because what I paint is mostly my own visions and pain because of the epilepsy that I have in my just quickly I just want to find out from Brad and also Azur and Eldritch I think obviously Global knows Frida but uh, just make sure that we haven't kind of gone over some of these people's heads with them not knowing Azur are you familiar with Frida? Um, where go there a hands up symbol if you are if you can get to the icon oh rich i'm just seeing i know you okay right so that was not a hands up that was a peace symbol but i'll take it as a hands up that'd be good right (laughs) 
but obviously you might know obviously the Russian connection to Frida with the political scene and what happened there because of the way that uh, it all went on, Brad. I must tell you that movie is one of my favorite movies about an artist ever. I couldn't believe it took Selma Hayek 10 years to actually get it all together with the financing and everything else. Oh, that's, and, uh, that, that's even, that's true for even big producers. It takes, it take, it can take a decade. Yeah. I mean, people were kind of shelving it in a way, but the fact that she got to obviously star in it and she did portray it correctly. And um, just the fact that of the accident when, coming off the cart and having one of the poles go through her, obviously through the pelvis and everything else and putting her in bed. And that's where she kind of started off her artwork from there. And then just everything else that went on with her life and just the relationships. And obviously they weren't great. And some were fantastic and some were just amazing who she kind of bumped into at that time period. It was. Yeah. And of course she was involved with communism in Mexico and all the rest of that. And, so was Diego Rivera, and and, uh, and uh, you know, I mean, it was a complicated time in Mexican, you know, history, and and uh, and and Rivera admitted that he could he could never paint what she, even though he's a great artist, he don't get me wrong, but he does not paint the interior of his mind. He he paints he paints symbolic things, which is not the interior of his mind. It's the exterior of the world that he's all the time. So he admitted that he never paint. He was he a political did. painter. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. That was his whole thing. And he was, and he was wonderful at it, but she was magical because she painted her interior process without any kind of restriction. And that's what I do. And if you don't like it, well, that's not my problem. Yeah. She did it for, well, it's like yourself. You do it for yourself. You don't do it to please somebody else's, concepts of what they think is art when i was growing up and being taken through galleries in london and other places i suddenly realized that the art that didn't make me stop and actually look into it was unfortunate to me because if the artwork either produced joy in me or extreme emotion then the artwork piece has done its job on me for provoking a reaction to actually spend more time to contemplate it rather than you know surface glance walk away and ignore it and that was kind of my gauge of the world that if i suddenly see something that doesn't really catch my eye and provoke an emotional reaction it was kind of that way you know somebody asked me they ask me all the time you know who's who's your favorite painter well I can't answer that. I mean, what period do you want to talk about? Do you want to, we've got 15,000 years here now. You know it's I mean? also a work piece of artwork because you don't also, you might just like one piece from one artist. You yeah. won't like everything. It's like musicians. You don't like all pieces of work. But I did tell them the kind of art that I like is what I call psychological art. And, and what I mean by that is like Frida Kahlo, like, uh, uh, Oh, I mean, there's the whole there's a whole list of these these very disturbed painters. Francis Bacon is a good example. I don't know if you know his work or not, but um, uh, just a few the, pieces. Obviously, you got yeah. the scream and other bits and pieces like that. Yeah, well, there's and then there, you know, there's a whole list of of that of what would would be called psychological painters, and well, um, you would throw in Hieronymus Bosch in that, wouldn't you, as well? 
Hieronymus oh, yeah. Bosch as well, because he would be yeah. psychological, because that goes against the grain of the time period. Yeah, exactly. You know, and uh, so you know, I, I those are the you know when like when I saw Monet's flowers in, in when I was in France. I mean, the paintings are absolutely gorgeous. Don't get me wrong; they're they're and they're huge, you know, and abs just magic. But I don't relate to. I relate, I'll tell you a funny I story, Marin. No, I re, you know I relate to Van Gogh more than that, or or Matisse, but not definitely. But, but but not. I mean, like the Red Room is, is. I don't know if you know that piece or not, but there's a famous Matisse thing called the Red Room, and it's all red with just little things in it and and when he's asked you know why did you paint this red all this red i mean he said well the the painting is red and the things are just things that are in the red paintings but anyway i just like i just like that kind of painting like frida Kahlo's and stuff because that speaks to the pain that i have that doesn't mean that i don't like beautiful paintings that's not the that's not what I, i'm not excluding anything it's i'm just saying those are the things that I look at when I'm looking at art. That's what I look at. Like I'm going to go to the Frida Kahlo, the, the one that you saw. They have one here in L.A. So I'm yeah, going mean, to go to that. I'm going to go to that. No question about it. I'm there with you, Myron. I like things that sing to me. And uh, but it's interesting that you mention things come out of pain. I think talents, abilities sometimes are born out of pain or honed oh, through oh, pain. You're absolutely right. For, like, for instance, if you take Magret, I, I don't know if you know who he is or not, but you know he's a surrealist painter, but he didn't have any pain. He just takes images, like he put an apple in a giant, you know, a giant apple in a room and painted it. And, you know, that's surrealism. He's just playing around with images, like he painted a pipe and, and then he wrote, this is not a pipe. Well, it's not a pipe. It's a picture of a pipe. You know, I mean, that's what Magret did. So he, even though he's writing, it's all surrealism. There's no pain in his work at all. Whereas if you look at, if you look at the uh, Edvard Munch's paintings, I don't know if you know who that is, but Edvard Munch's painting, he was depressed and he lost his sister and, and all of his pain is in those paintings and they're magnificent. And then of course, if you look at Van Gogh's stuff, you can see his pain every in the most beautiful things he paints. We did a we did a, a fundraiser. Just before you go too far, Myron, I want to go back to Monet yeah. for you because it'll give you a laugh. So in obviously New York, you got the Museum of Modern Art. Right. When I happened to be there in the early nineties, there was the exhibition of Monet's water lilies there, and my mother wanted to see the actual exhibition, and we went to there now. I was impressed by some of the sculptures. They had strange things hanging on walls, which shouldn't be in that angle and bright colors. And I was kind of tailing behind. And when I finally got into the room, I ended up going very close to the far away wall as he walks in through the door. And my parents were looking at paintings and I hadn't made kind of the connection of what I was in, what room. And this was where the fun part is. So I turn to them and go, what are you actually looking at? Because I can't make head nor tail of 
what this is. And I was standing about possibly a foot away from Monet's Water Lilies, which is something like 15 foot tall, and then right. goes for about 50 feet around. And you have to kind of right. be in the center of a room to actually get the proper perspective of what's gone on. And my mother kind of looked at me as if, do you not understand where you are? And I was thinking, well, what are you looking at? Because I was just literally almost <laughs> had my nose up against the painting and couldn't see it for what it really was until I got into the middle of the room. I mean, yeah, she sort of dragged me, and that was the kind of parody of life. Don't you? Think oh that's yeah, a it is. Yeah. Life? And actually, when I think of you, Myron, I think you're actually in the painting. Or, yeah. Yeah. So I've... what you see is kind of the under tapestry of life. Can I ask We're you, Judith? Have you actually looked at his artwork? Yeah, I did. I did look at his yeah. feed, Twitter feed, and it's amazing. I On the actual the website as well, yeah. Mm-hmm. You're like the sculptures as well and the book and the information oh, there. Yeah. Well, I really think but, of myself as a sculptor anyway. I mean, I do paintings, of course, like 8,000 of them, but uh, I've got 300 sculptures. And, and I do the sculptures because I can relate to them because they are three-dimensional. And I can actually walk up to them, talk to them, in the movie that I sent Paul, I'm I'm actually touching the sculptures in the movie, and 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 that's what I do with them. I actually I actually have meditation ceremonies with with the actual sculptures themselves, and the art is like a diary. So if you look at Facebook, you're seeing what's going on in my head every day because I don't take anything back; I just post it. And that's like a personal diary. So what I'm doing, I, what I'm putting on Facebook is my personal diary. Now, not many people would have the guts to do that. I don't, I, Caron told me to do it, so that's what I'm doing. I'm putting my own personal diary up every day. And yeah, I, don't care. I don't care how people react. That's, that's up to them, even though the reaction's been pretty good. But um, you're right. It, it's just, a, it's, it's a record of my life like any diary would be except that i don't write very well so so uh, uh so i paint them instead and um even though i did write a book that that actually got quoted quite a few times by anthony but uh, i'm not much of a writer in in that sense and- so just for anybody who wants to know i've just done the I'll- well, the last tweet has actually got the community YouTube page, which has Myron's five-minute video on it there, and also other people that are part of our community that come and share information with us. So if you're interested, you can see it there as well. And yeah, inside that are all links. That's pretty old, that one, but uh, the one I sent you was 2019 and, and 2020, so it's it's fairly new. But the yeah. one the one you saw on that TV, on that thing with Jim Abram. And, um, uh, but anyway, the point of it is, is that uh, I decided a long time ago that I wouldn't hold anything back and that I would put everything out there so no one could accuse me of hiding anything. So I don't get accused of hiding things because I put everything out there. I don't Well, hold I think anything. you get to a point in your life too where you go, I've got less life left. Right. Uh, and what is the point? of hiding who I am or what I am or what I represent. Younger, I, I had to be careful because I had a, I had, I was Career. a vice president and I would have gotten fired and, and it would have been a mess. You know, we would have to have gone to court and fight over our contracts and all that stuff. So I just, I never mentioned to anyone that I was ever an artist ever. 
ever. You know, it was mm-hmm. discovered in, in, a, in about 2003. That's when it was discovered, or 2000, in the year 2000, something like that. That must have been an unhappy time for you when you were working and not able to, you know, be your true self. Yeah, it's, it is weird to be, to be an outsider and pretend like you're an insider. You know, I, I mean, I have, I have the gift of gab, as you noticed. So I'm pretty good at selling. And, and that's what I did most of the time, even though I became an executive. But, but yeah, I mean, I could never, ever reveal to people that I had epilepsy that I, I mean, because as soon as I, as soon as I said epilepsy, that would be the end of my career right there. And, and that's true in the movie business, too, by the way. But you know what? The only reason why you have to hide is because other people cannot cope with uh, looking under the tapestry or confronting the things they come across in life that have true meaning to them. Definitely. And I've got to bring in Red because Red is in the same situation because Red had a near-death experience as well. And when he's been talking to other people, and I'm sure, hang on, I'll I'll just check with Red. Red, have you got the opportunity to talk? Yeah, You're quite happy in me saying that people weren't too receptive, were they? They don't understand it. Um, and because you can't easily duplicate it, they dismiss it. So that's the same kind of scenario that Myram is going through and a lot of other people do on obviously all different scales, as yourself, Judith, are talking about. Oh, yeah. I mean, uh, I'm one of six children, highly academic, uh, highly successful people all in their own right and uh they growing up and because i was the different one and uh you know (laughs) throughout life have been in complete and utter denial uh of some of the things that they've faced and i just uh sometimes i just don't tolerate it and i call them on it and interesting they won't come out publicly amongst our siblings but they do on a one-on-one basis say things like yeah you you were right then you know I just couldn't face it or uh you know it's interesting uh I'd like to bring Red in here because he's got obviously some good experience and got his hand up which will be beneficial to everyone I feel make it right Red be beneficial (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> don't, don't disappoint me now <laughs> i don't want to interrupt or cut anybody off come uh, on red come on red come on so here here is an example i wish more people could hear this because at first i didn't even want to tell this story because it is fun. being recorded more people no. will hear it i don't know when no, no, but they will <laughs> well the reason no i mean like in real life it, like live right now so this is an example this is now this has happened a couple times because we're gonna uh, this is synchronicity so that's fine yeah that's so, fine yeah okay so at times it can be so overwhelming that it is literally hitting you square in the face it's not even like a nudge or or a maybe and it would like the last funny one that happened to me that that i've <laughs> i'm having a hard time believing is i was in a cold stone creamery which is basically a fancy ice cream shop over here in the united states and i was doing DoorDash delivery. So I park my car out front, go inside, and I'm waiting for the people behind the counter to complete the order. And I'm going to hop back in my car and go to live. Um, and while I'm in the ice cream shop, I, I, you know, I'm looking around and I see a poster for Lucky Charms ice cream. 
and I think, well, that's one of my favorite cereals. I'm in the place waiting for them to make the order. I'll try a sample of this Lucky Charms ice cream. And I did, and it was great. And I get my order, and I go back into my car, and I'm listening because I'm streaming Spotify in my vehicle. I am maybe five minutes down the road, and since I don't have the premium subscription, Spotify has commercials every now and then. So on comes this commercial, and it is a commercial inviting whoever's listening, which is apparently me at this point. It's inviting people to come partake in Lucky's magical quest for rings. This is literally legit. I'm sober. This is a commercial playing on Spotify, and it is. Had you heard this before? Is it a kind of a regular? I've never heard or seen a Lucky Charms commercial in my life. Ah, so this is even better. Good. Not on Spotify, and not so relevant to be five minutes after I left the ice cream shop. It's literally it's a commercial to come join Lucky on his magical quest for rings, and you can go to Lucky Charms Camp or something. I almost had to pull over to the side of the road. That's the kind of synchronicity. So that's the part where a lot of people won't believe that story. A lot of people will try to dismiss it until you say, okay, well, point me in the direction of another Spotify commercial that is broadcasting a Lucky Charms camp meetup for magical rings. <laughs> but it's um, always kind of personal, isn't it? Most of the very, very, very personal. I can't yeah. remember if that was me and you talking, Paul, where... Uh, we had that th- there is this sense of humor that the universe has that is very personal and twisted kind of in a funny way, though. Definitely. Where was this actual location for finding the Lucky Charms kind of education center? No, it was a 30-second oh. 30 30 blip, and I, I didn't bother. I was so flabbergasted that it was even on the spotify that i was just i I didn't know what to think because it'd be hilarious if you were in the same location as that at the time of hearing the well then i would really think somebody would have tracking tracking me (laughs) popped you out your skull at that point wouldn't it (laughs) well because that's the other thing that you go through when this first starts to happen you start to think am i being surveilled is somebody I've had I've thought people were following me because things are hitting so close to home. Like no one else was in my car. I didn't. I, no one knew that I was looking at a poster of Lucky Charms ice cream. How can this commercial come? That it's just very strange. Oh, definitely. Talking about surveillance, have you ever read the book or heard of the book Camellio? A Strange But True Story of Invisible Spies, Heroin Addiction, and Homeland Security by Robert no, A. Guffrey. Sounds terrifying. Sure does. Uh, I'll put it in the link. Hmm? Scare me to death. Oh, it was about them. A guy started to see, prior to the Predator film coming out, in his house, kind of slight light distortion within his environment and room and couldn't figure out what was going on. And it kind of boils down to that there was military testing of new invisible camouflage kit and they were testing it on people and mucking with them in an environment. And, well, there's podcasts out there with this, and the book is just amazing. It's, you know, it's like what you don't know is going on and what can be being developed and tried, you know, strange stuff. So well, they, don't read it they, before going to bed, that's why I say. They do bring stuff all the you know, I mean, they especially uh, clairvoyance and all that kind of stuff. And there's, There are a whole 
divisions of the intelligence group that do that all the time. They're looking for psychics all the time to see if they can find information remotely. About oh, yeah. I mean, it goes on all over the world. The Russians do it. We do it. They spent a lot of money on it. So it's one reason why, you know, that one, there was one great film about, about that that was just really touching. But um, so it's not, it's not so far-fetched as you might think. The one thing that I've noticed, I was, um, I've been able to get, I, I, I said not duplicated, but I've been able to maybe um, three times with three different people have i don't want to say manipulate reality um i've been able to point out how do i say this things have happened that were pretty far-fetched or in the odds of them happening were very slim but i've been able to do this with two or three other people and they've been able to see it um to the point one guy got scared um the earliest so my near-death experience happened after a six-day stay in the hospital, infection in my toe. Um, I got out of the hospital, I think I was in there from Saturday night until the next Friday afternoon. Um, and then I had to have a follow-up appointment Tuesday. And in that room, you know how the doctor sits on his little spinny round chair and he gets right up to you almost, you know, in between your legs because you're looking eye to eye and he's on your eye right. level. Right. So there's a difference when you're looking directly into somebody's eyes and talking, well, this was fresh from my um, experience. And I started to, because <sighs> I didn't know we were going to go into this deep, but um, so. You don't have to go into deep, no, by the way. It's all right. I'll try to make this one quick. This well, just to from... let you know, I've also put in the shared section that book and also included the people that I realized into the okay. tweet, the Camellia just... one. This will be a I'll, – I'll quicken it up, but it just comes from a doctor's perspective outside looking into this, whatever we are going through. Um, so he was looking at me, and my body chemistry will start to change when um, when this starts to – uh, let's see. When my brain starts to get going, it's my body chemistry changes for some reason. The temperature, like I will – sometimes I will sweat, like almost like right now, like the very top um, – uh, crown of my head will sweat but none of the rest of my body this started to happen as i was trying to explain to the doctor that something had happened while i was in the hospital from a couple you know from last week and he's looking at me and the two words that i had used at this point but i hadn't really told anybody were either awakening or enlightenment and the doctor is looking at me directly in the eyes and he wanted me to explain something at this point a tear starts coming out of my eye because this whole thing is 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 overwhelmingly emotional, physical, uh, mental. It's, it's it's all over so far over the top and immense that you can't put it into words. But um, so the doctor was looking at me, and I and a tear started coming out of my eye, and I said, and I said, I something happened, and he looked at me, and he started to say, he goes, "Do you mean like an awake?" And he stopped, dead in his tracks. And I said, you were going to say awakening. And and he looked at me with a very confused, scared look. If you've <laughs> ever looked directly into somebody's eyes, you can tell fear. He 
got scared because he didn't finish the word and I never said the word. So he came up with this word on his own and he backed up and he literally backed up for, with almost disbelief because he is not supposed to, in his mind, experience this outside force that could potentially, like somehow he was able to understand what was going on. Even if it was only for a second, it, it backed it, it backed up a doctor. So that's the kind of thing. Can I put in here? Yeah. yeah. I'm the daughter of a surgeon and the sister of a surgeon. Wow. So this isn't synchronicity now. This is <laughs> things converging, I think, because that's exactly what I'm talking about. Those doctors, and they encounter life-death situations all the time. My brother described a, a point at which he was operating and uh, the patient went into cardiac arrest and he oh. had to do CPR. So they encounter this on a frequent basis. And there are people who have your experiences and it, it, it must affect these doctors. They, they have it on a regular basis. Uh, but I think they are very much in the profession taught to compartmentalise things. So just put that aside, uh, just box that and move on and, and address the situation. Yeah, uh, you could tell. He was like, he's like, no, I'm supposed to prescribe assess and and figure you know this third thing this outside force you could tell it affected that's him not in a way. backed by science <laughs> well, I don't, it doesn't have to be it's the same no, but i'm just saying they can't cope because it's not backed by science they have what to it goes against it. the western side of it all exactly yeah but if you but when you see fear in someone's eyes because oh, yeah. of something that is foreign to them, that's what I'm talking about. And also it's lawsuits yeah. as well. The Americans love the good lawsuit, don't they? Yes, yes they do. They, they, my, my ex-wife is a neurologist, so um, she used to tell me there, there are things that we are not allowed to discuss uh, from an insurance point of view, from a American Medical Association point of view. Uh, there and and your particular employer, let like say you work at a hospital or you work, you know, if you're working in private practice, but you know they have to be very careful about what they agree or say because, um, like in my case, uh, no one has been, ever been able to explain what happens to me. They don't have any idea, and. And remember, I was on the board of the Epilepsy Foundation in the national group, and there were 44 world-famous neurologists at this convention, and Hillary Clinton was the speaker, and I got to talk to some of the greatest neurologists in the world, and since I was on the board myself, and they didn't have an answer. The, the ones that were the most mature, the ones that were the brightest, and that had the most the highest reputations said right off the bat, we don't know why you have what you have. We just don't know. And we're not going to know for quite a while. And just like I heard a physicist say, we're not smart enough to understand what's going on in the universe. A Nobel Prize winning physicist, he just said, we're just not smart enough. We need we need to, to go to the next level of our intelligence to get to this next level of, of the physical universe because we're just not going to figure it out. We just can't figure it out. 
So when you get to that level of people, then you get down to the lower ones and then, you know, they're just obeying rules. But when they're at the top of their professions and they're, they're world famous, they don't have to worry about that. Then you get the truth, the real truth from them. And it's, it's, a, it's a shocking experience when you get the real truth. And the truth is, we don't know what it is that you have. We don't know what causes it. And we haven't got any idea. None whatsoever. So, well, I think the first step for uh, the world is to, you know, start acknowledging some of these. Going to have to ask you to all pause while I quickly unswitch my microphone and put in the charger. Otherwise, this room will disappear entirely. <laughs> so, I think we're all quite happy that I keep the room going for a bit. Uh, yeah, <laughs> it's been hours, so. It will be shutting down in the next 20 minutes, I can tell you that, but it can shut down a lot faster if I don't change this microphone over. What time is it there? 10 past 11 in the evening. Hang on a second, I'm not going to be able to hear anything in a minute. To help our research and understanding, leave Perceptions Today's podcast reviews, subscribe to the podcast, along with the other social media accounts and share. Come and join our live events. That way we can get together and have thoughtful discussions along with advancing our understanding of concepts as we go along.